Let's, let's pray together for this day, this Vision Sunday. I have a word that's just, I'm just, I cannot wait to get out today. Uh, it's just bursting inside of me about where the Lord is calling us as a church. But let's, let's just seek the Lord together just real quickly. Father, as we go to your word this morning, as we go to this, this um, time where we are just seeking you for vision together as a church, God, I thank you that you in your heart, God, you have such compassion, such a heart for this city, Lord, for this church here at First Assembly, for every family represented here today. And God, I pray today that you would breathe fresh vision into every life, into every marriage, into every business, into every family. God, let us see things the way you see things. And God, as we lean in today, gift us with faith. I just want to encourage you this morning. I believe God gives gifts. And if you just are open to receiving a fresh gift of faith for whatever you're believing in in your life, Father, I just thank you, Lord. Now, we just reach out to you right now, and you see hearts reaching out to you. And I pray, God, today that you would gift us with gifts of faith, that we would run into the things that you've called us to individually and together as a church for your glory, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 One more time. Amen. 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 Awesome. You can have a seat this morning. Vision Sunday, and we do this just a, probably a couple times a year where we take a Sunday or a couple of Sundays and we focus in on who we are together and where we're going. What is it that we sense God calling us to? And today I want to share something with you. I want to just share some encouragement for you. And I want to share with you some, some exciting things that I believe that the Lord is calling us in together as a church. And I believe that as we lean in by faith to the vision that the Lord is birthing uh, corporately, I believe that we will see literally tens of thousands of people in the future generations impacted. This is our time and this is our opportunity as God's calling us. And I cannot wait just to share a little bit more with you in a moment, but Vision Sunday is all about us looking forward. It's about us looking into the future. What does God have for us? And God's always been a God that would call people to a vision. Even Abraham, when he first called Abraham, he, he called him out of the place that he was living. He called him out of Ur. It was a dark place. It was a godless place. And he said, I'm calling you. He says, where are you calling me? He says, I'm just calling you. And he followed. There was an obedience in his heart as God began to call him. And then God met him and showed him the stars and showed him, you know, he said, I'm just going to promise you all of these descendants. And, and God's promises, friends, are yes and amen, right? And, and all God's promises are for you and me. The same promises that he gave to Abraham are being fulfilled in you and me, have been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And now we can walk in all the promises of God. God's word. We can trust God for hope and for a future. We know that he has good things for us. And so God's always been a God of vision, calling men, calling women, calling individuals, calling a people to a place of breakthrough, a place of blessing. God had a promised land for his people. He didn't, have, he didn't want them wandering forever in the desert, although that sometimes there's a process for us getting to that place that God calls us to. How many people feel like sometimes you know what I mean? Have you been through a process before God got you there? But how many know that God always gets his people where he needs them to go? God always fulfills his word. He always fulfills his promises. And he's called us together and he's fulfilling the promises even today, I believe, in our lives and through our church. And so today, we're going to be looking at, at this. And if you're going to write notes out today, I would encourage you to take a few notes if you like. But we're talking about this morning taking the next step together. Taking the next step together. Turn to the person beside you and say, let's take the next step. All right? Just go ahead and just say that to them this morning. Let's take the next step. Did anybody just get engaged right now? <laughs> Without <laughs> like, Thank you, pastor. Now I'm, now I gotta, now I'm engaged. So what do you do when you see a need? You know, what do you do when you see something needs, needs attention? I think most of us, we just kind of step in. We just say, well, there's a need. I'll just, man, I'll, I'll help out. Uh, somebody said there's three kinds of people. There's people that, that make things happen. There's people that just sit back and watch things happen because not everybody just steps in. And then there's people that just kind of wonder what happened. <laughs> they just kind of go, what happened? But when we see a need, we, we step in. We say, I can help. You know, in our family, 
um, it's, it's kind of groceries. So sometimes we all go grocery shopping together. It's kind of crazy if you see us at the grocery store. We're just all, you know, picking and choosing. And then often Heather will just say, I just need to go grocery shopping on my own. I just need a little bit of me time. I, need to, I don't want other people coaxing me and convincing me of all the different kinds of breakfast cereal that they want. I just want grocery shopping time. So sometimes she'll go on her own. But when she comes home, and if any of our families in the house, guess what we do? We don't just sit there on the couch and watch her carry groceries in. Because if we do, she gets this look in her eye. And you would not like this look. That you, She's a sweet lady, and she, she's smiley. And, but when you don't help her with groceries, watch out. So... When she comes home and she pulls in and we hear the car in the driveway, then guess what we all do in our family? We just get up from whatever we're doing. We put down our phones. We put down the remote control. We put down our book. We, we forget whatever we're doing and we just help out and we just pitch in because that's what we do in our family. And it makes the load easier. It makes the work fun. It makes it a family thing that we get to do together. This is the kind of people that God has called First Assembly to be, that we would take the next step together by leaning in, seeing the need, and just saying, we're family. We're going to lean in together to this need. We're just going to get together and move into the future together, whatever the need may be, whatever needs to be done. That's why we encourage you every Sunday, why don't you take growth track? Why? Because we're just inviting you in to say, hey, we want to be family together. And before we can be an army, we need to be a family. And God's called us first as family. And together as family, then we are better together and we move into vision together. And when we see a need, we lean in. That's always who our church has been. In the early 1900s, First Assembly, there was a small group of people, and they met together in a prayer meeting. You see, when the Azusa Street revival happened in the early 1900s, the Holy Spirit was being poured out in a fresh way, and people were receiving the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, and, and there's a whole renewal movement around uh, the birth of the Pentecostal movement. And Pentecost has spread all around the world in this, this fresh movement, and, and we're here today because of that movement in Alberta was uh, the first place, actually rather Calgary was the first place recorded that the Holy Spirit was poured out in that early time. And so in Calgary, in this city, this was the beginning of the movement, the Pentecostal movement um, in our city. And there was a group of people that were impacted by that and, and they saw a need in Calgary. And what did they do? They leaned in together to that need. They began to meet in a home and they begin to pray together for the city. They begin to pray together and meet together weekly before the church even started. And they took heed to the words of Jesus in Matthew 9 that the harvest is so great, but the workers are few. He told this to his disciples. What did Jesus say to do? He says, so then pray to the one in charge of the harvest and ask him to recruit more workers for his harvest field. This is what they begin to do. These early pioneers of this church, First Assembly, they, they, they met together, they prayed together, they leaned in together to fulfill a need in this city that people were desperate without Christ. And they were filled with the Spirit. And we know that as the Holy Spirit empowers the believer, he empowers us to be witnesses. He empowers us to be on mission, to be strengthened, to walk in the supernatural, to, to walk in a deeper, more meaningful relationship with the Lord as our spirits are, are connected with his in such a beautiful supernatural way that we are filled with the spirit and overcome with the spirit and the spirit of God is living inside of us and flowing through us and empowering us to fulfill the Great Commission. And these early believers, they got this and they leaned in and they, they prayed together. And they said, God, we, we are leaning into you because you are the one in charge of the harvest. You are the one that we are leaning into, God, for this city. And from those early days, they leaned in together and God began to give them a vision. From this group of people in the early 1900s, they began to step in and God began to give them a deeper burden for the lost. And he began to give them a vision for this city. This small group of people, 90 years ago, began to give them a vision for what it could look like to see the church just on mission and people getting saved and families getting healed. And, and they got serious about it and they begin to meet more and they begin to pray more. 
And, and as they prayed more, God expanded their vision. And I wonder sometimes, thinking of those early pioneers, if some of those prayer meetings where they would tarry for hours and just pray, I wonder at times that the Lord may have given them a glimpse of even rooms like this morning, filled with people seeking after God. I wonder if God would have given them vision for the future, even further out than the next five or ten years, but perhaps 90 years into the future. And as they begin to tarry and they begin to pray, that we are actually living out some of the answered prayers of the early saints of this church. I wonder. As they begin to just hear God and wait on God. And and vision is so important. And one of the very significant scriptures to this assembly is Habakkuk chapter 2. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely not tarry. In other words, the vision will happen. Write the vision. And what we need to understand about this scripture, I think we can see it in a couple ways. In a general way, it's, it's good to have a vision for the future, for your life and for your family and, 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 and for your work and your career and your school and your education. It's good to have a vision. And I think there's a principle. When you see you know, down the road, then you begin to plan and you begin to walk in it. You'll, you'll find more success when you, when you see But when we understand from the scripture, it's a revelation of God's word is really what it's talking about. Without the people having a real revelation of what God has said, God's written word, his rhema word, uh, what God has said to his people. When When we stop hearing what God is saying, we lose heart. When we begin to get a glimpse again of what is God saying, what has he said in his words, what are his promises, it says, it says if we don't have that, we will perish. And not only us, but a whole city will perish without his word. But when we get a glimpse of God's word, when we get a fresh revelation of the word that God has spoken to his people, not only will we not perish, friends, but we will flourish. We will begin to flourish when we get a hold of it. We go, oh, that's what God has in his heart. Oh, that's what God has for the future. Oh, that's what God has for my family. Now I'm beginning to see things. I'm not sick any longer. I'm not broken any longer. I'm not in debt any longer. I'm not a loser anymore. I'm a winner. I'm not the end. I'm the beginning. I'm the I'm the head and not the tail. I am not waiting any longer. I am pressing into who God's made me to be. I'm walking in the giftings. I'm not not perishing in my self-doubt and my fear and all my self-esteem that is so low and all these things that come against me in the world and the pressures and the devil. I'm not in that place. I'm I'm in a higher place because I have a fresh revelation of what God is saying, what his word is saying over my life and over my family. His written word, his spoken word, his rhema word, his fresh bread to you and me every day. When we wake up, that's why we need to spend time in God's word, meditating on God's word. We grow in strength because I have all kinds of thoughts that are just not lined up with this. I, just, I got all kinds of thoughts that go against what God's word says all the time. So do you. But when we get our minds and our hearts, we say, then we get vision. We get a fresh revelation. What is God saying to me? What is he saying to us? And we can hold our head up high and we can put our shoulders back. And we can say, we're walking it. We, we're children of God. We're not, we're not slaves into sin any longer. We're not, we're not losers anymore. We're not, we're not destined for failure. We're destined for success. And we just get it in our spirit. And then we can begin to take steps together when we get this revelation. The idea when God's people don't have vision, people will perish. Not just us, but people around us. But people will flourish when we get this in our spirit. 2 Peter 3, 9. As a church, this is what we are saying. This is our why. This is why we exist. And it comes back to this scripture. It reminds us that the Lord, he isn't slow about keeping his promises as some people think he is. In fact, God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. This is God's heart. This is God's heart for Calgary. This is God's heart for our city. God's not just, he's just not, you know, whatever. Like some people think, well, you know, God is slow at keeping his promises. I thought revival was going to come in the 90s. I thought revival was going to come in the 2000s. I thought there would be a mighty move of God for us. But God is patient. He's patient with you and me. He's patient with us. 
But he will fulfill his promises. And he is pouring out his spirit in a fresh way. And I believe that God is doing something across the globe today. And he's doing something in Calgary today that is, is unprecedented. I believe that he is, he is already moving. God is already advancing his church. There is already salvation coming in a new way to the people of, of Calgary. There's already the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of people all over this city. And the fruit is ripe and it's beginning to drop from the trees. But we need harvesters. And, 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 and we're praying and, and you may, may be the answer to God's prayer. And so will I. As we lean in together to be harvesters, to, to say, God, we know that your heart, that you are patient. You want everyone to turn from sin. You want no one lost. This is your heart, and this is our passion as a church. We don't want to see anybody lost. We want to see everybody find life in Jesus Christ. That's why our vision is loving all people to Jesus. Why? Because we love people, and it's the love of God that leads to repentance, the Bible says. When we love people, and they get a revelation of, of love, and when we share the gospel. We share the love of Jesus and how Jesus died on the cross for their sin. And he, he died and was buried, but he rose again and he's alive and he sent his Holy Spirit. Then people are no longer lost. They're awakened. They get vision. The word of God awakens them. They get saved. They get born again. And God has called us together. God has called us together Because his heart is that none, that none should ever be lost. And so because of this why, we're always asking as a church, we're always asking the Lord, God, what's our next step? Where do we step in now, Lord? Because your heart is pounding and beating for souls, and so is ours, God. So what do we do? Where do we go? What are you saying? And so we step in. We step in and we ask God, what do you have for us? And sometimes it feels overwhelming. Sometimes we think, well, we don't have very much. I mean, you know, we just got a few things and we got, for the, for the things that God's calling us to, like, how's this going to work? Or we even just see our own failures, our own lack, our own humanness. And we, or our church, we say, well, you know, we could, yeah, we could do a few things, but, but God is wanting to, I believe, do something miraculous. He's wanting to do something miraculous in you and me. And I think the secret for that is that we would position ourselves again in our hearts in an openness to him today and as we move into the future. And we say, God, we know that you care so much for us. We know you care so much for a city. There's a beautiful story, 2 Kings chapter 4. And a woman cries out, and she's now a widow because her husband, he was one of the company of the prophets, and her husband had died. She had two sons. She's a single mom. She's raising a couple kids. And she cries out to Elisha. And she says, Elisha, we're dying here. I don't have anything in the house. I don't have any food. I don't have any, and, and I've got a couple boys I'm trying to raise, and, and I'm in debt. And not only that, the creditors are coming. The creditors are coming to take my kids. She was in a desperate place. She was she was desperate, saying, I- I'm done. I, I don't have anything, and-, and there's an enemy that's out to take my kids. Sometimes that's a reality for us. Sometimes we think about our kids or our grandkids or, or-, or some of the young people in our city or some of the things that are taking place, and-, and-, and how many know that there's an enemy, and he's out to kill and to destroy our kids, He's out to kill and to destroy and to rob from the church. He's after your family. He's after your kids. He's after your grandkids. Just like these creditors were coming after this lady's kids. There's a war. There's, a, there, there's, a, there's an urgency about the hour. And it's dark and it seems hopeless. But this lady, she cried out to Elisha. And she says, you got to help me out here, Elisha. This guy was on your staff, basically. He was one of your prophets and, and, and his, his son, rather. And then it's, it's all part of the family. And I, I, got, I just need some help. And she cries out. And this is what it says. She cried out to Elisha. And here's the verse. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in the house? 
I think that's a great question. What do you have in the house? This is what God asks you. He always starts with what you do have. How many are thankful for that? You don't have to have a lot, but you have something that God has given you. He says, what do you have in your house? And then she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. So it's interesting. Her answer is, Elisha says, well, what do you have in the house? She says, nothing except, I guess I've got a little jar of oil. It's interesting that her first answer is nothing. And sometimes we feel like that. We feel like, well, what do we have? Nothing. Just a little jar of oil, she says. I get, oh yeah, I forgot about that. It's, it's kind of like, you know, David, when they were picking, you know, all the brothers were lined up and, and uh, they were picking the king of, of Israel and, and all the brothers are there. And it's like, well, is, there's got to be another. Well, I guess there's David. He's just, he's just out looking after sheep though. Sometimes the little things that we do have, we forget we have. Sometimes the little thing, the gift, the calling, the, 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 the thing that God has given you, don't despise what God has given you because when you apply what God has given you supernaturally, God breathes on it and then that's where the miracle takes place. And so she said, well, I don't have anything but a little bit of oil. Just a little jar of oil. The jar represents her life. The jar is like a vessel. It represents your life and my life. And the oil represents the Holy Spirit. Friends, here's what you and I all have as we are saved by grace. We all have an open vessel and we all have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that's really all we need. And God is asking you and me, what do you have in the house? Well, Lord, we got open hearts and we got the Holy Spirit. We can do this. We can do this. And God said, well, what do you have in the house? Don't say, well, I got nothing. That might be your first reaction, and, and sometimes that's mine. And that was definitely this lady's. I don't, got, I don't got anything. But don't let that be your last reaction. Say, well, I do have an open vessel, and I do have the Holy Spirit. And God says, if you have a heart that says, I'm open, and I got the Spirit, then miracles take place. You see, the miracle takes place when we finally get a revelation of what we do have. What we do have is we have God, and he is more than enough for everything that we need. He is more than enough. to He, he can accomplish so much more in and through you and me. So I don't, I don't, don't, let's not say I don't have anything anymore. So what do you have, First Assembly? We're just open. We're just an open vessel, and we're saying, God, fill us. What do you have in your life today? I believe God's calling you just to be open. Say, God, just use me. Fill me. Mold me. Make me. You're the potter. I'm the clay. You do what you want. Friends, when we get ourselves again in that place, I'm telling you, we are on the brink of a supernatural move of God. It, it, is, it is about our being on our knees. It is about humility. It is about getting desperate again for God. We don't have a lot, Lord, but we have an open vessel, and we have the oil of the Spirit. We have the power of the Spirit. We have the presence of the Spirit in our lives. There was this cry in her heart, I need help, and God answered by sending Elisha. And this is then what it says. What happens is Elisha, he said, well, go out. He says, get your sons and, and go out to all the neighbors and collect as many vessels as you can. And then come home with these vessels and, and close the door and then begin to pour the oil, just a little bit of oil that you have from your flask, your, your precious, all you do have, whatever you have in your house, begin to pour what's in your house into these different flasks. And as she took the oil, they closed the door. Can you imagine? It's like, how many, how many vessels we got, sons? And they're like, man, we got all kinds. There was garage sales down the street. We got vessels from the Joneses. We got vessels from this. And so they collected all these empty vessels, and they just began to pour. And supernaturally, it says that the oil just began to fill every vessel. It never ran out. That was the miracle. The oil never ran out. And, and look what it says right here, this, this next verse. So now it came to pass, when the vessels were full... That she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. Watch this. So the oil ceased. You see, when there's no more vessel, the oil stops. When you and I do not position our hearts to say, God, I'm open, the oil stops. But as long as we position ourselves to be an open vessel before God, guess what? 
the oil keeps flowing. Whenever we open up our, our lives, whenever we open up our homes, whenever we open up uh, anything, we just say, God, just use me. Just here I am. I'm open. Then the oil flows. And I believe that one of the reasons why the oil continues to flow at First Assembly over all these years is that we are a church that has always said we're just going to open our doors. We're going to open our hearts. We're going to partner with people. We're just going to be open. We're going to be hospitable. We're just, we don't have a lot. We don't think we're all that great. We're one of many churches in this city, but we, we, we have what we have, and we have a gift, and God's given it to us, and we're answered prayers of early pioneers, and we're just here, and we're just open, and as we open our hearts, and we open our doors, and we extend our generosity throughout this city, the oil has kept pouring over all these years. The oil just keeps pouring wherever there's an open heart and an open vessel, and the oil is pouring again. It's about time. This is our track record as the church. The only limit was the amount of vessels, the amount of empty vessels to the oil. I just want us to go down memory lane just for a few moments this morning. As a church, I mentioned earlier, uh, we're 90 years old this year officially. In 10 years, we'll be 100 years old. And so as a church, here are some of the things uh, from the very beginning. Here's a little bit of a timeline. 1923, this is the believers that I was talking about. They met in home meetings and they, they begin to pray. They begin to lean into the need in the city. They begin to take a step of faith and say, God, you want to do something in Calgary. 1927, they rented an upstairs room on 8th Avenue, Southwest. And it was right next to the Robin Hood flour mill downtown. In 1929, they purchased land on 8th Avenue and they built a church. And that church grew and it filled in 1938, they began a lighthouse mission. And I believe that that, in many ways, was the very first seeds of what we see today as the Calgary Dream Center, that we'll see later that we were part of that as well as a church. 1953, the first church plant in a, in a region called Montgomery. 1955, Beddington Pentecostal Church was birthed from this house right here. Beddington is up in the north today. It's a vibrant congregation, global missions, growing church. Pastor Mark is a leader. He's a friend of mine. He's doing a great job. Chinese Pentecostal Church, 1958. And they've invited me to come speak in the month of December at the Chinese Pentecostal Church. They're just saying, we just, your church is so amazing and we're so blessed by how you sowed and helped us get started. There's such honoring and such a beautiful relationship there. 1958, Ogden Pentecostal Church. 1962, this Elbow Drive property was purchased. 1968, Elbow Drive building was completed. There was a step of faith, there was a purchase, and then there was more steps of faith. 1978, Airdrie Pentecostal Church. 1978, again, Mid Park Church or Connections Church. 1979, there was land purchase in Strathcona. There was ministry that was done in that region. 1980, First Assembly Manor was established. And it's still, today, it's, it's, it's not really under our umbrella anymore, but it's still, still going. Uh, 1988, Christian Life Assembly, where Pastor Tim Mason has now uh, been sent from, from this house as, as he's pastoring that congregation. 1994, Westside King's Church in the West Hills. There was property that was purchased by this assembly in faith. And then now there's a vibrant, again, another vibrant church, growing church, world, global missions, reaching people. Uh, 1997, Masters Academy was established, the, the Christian high school here in Calgary, and it's rated one of the top schools in, in all of Alberta. 2004, Calgary Dream Center started, and it was a hotel that was purchased. This congregation purchased a hotel just right down on McLeod, and it was the worst hotel in town. There was a strip club in the basement, and it was, it was drugs and everything, and now it's helping men and families and women and people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, hundreds of lives have been changed. Every week there's people graduating from the program. It's just incredible what God's doing and people come into Christ and through the Dream Center. In 2011, this church started an initiative. All of us here, I wasn't here at this time, but 2011, the Green Light Initiative to plant kingdom works and churches, as many as we could. And, and planted and, and saw the gospel go forth in, in many ways. And, and some of those churches today have, uh, have transitioned to different forms. Some of those churches 
we've had to close or we've had to transition, but there's been many as well that are succeeding. The Imagine Church that meets in the Dream Center, it's actually thriving. It's just right down the street. It's a couple hundred people now on a Sunday morning, and, and Craig and Stephanie Hill are there just, just rocking it. Pastor Richie had planted that. And then just last year, we sent out City Mosaic, and now it's part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Church as part of the Greenlight, a neighborhood church down in Medicine Hat, thriving assemblies. And so as a church, we've always stepped out in faith, and we've always said, God, we don't have a lot, but what we do have is we have an open heart. And, and every time we've opened a place, God has poured out his spirit, and there has been... Uh, God has used it powerfully to see people come to Christ and to see the, the kingdom of God continue to advance, to see the, the work of God go forward in this city. And so we're at this time again. Vision Sunday today is about us taking our next step together as a church. And for decades, we've seen churches planted. We've seen kingdom works take place. We've seen missions go globally around the world, the hundreds and hundreds of global missions that is workers and short-term mission teams that have gone from this place. But from renting an upstairs room in 1927, as we've continued to be faithful to the vision, to God's word, as he speaks, we obey, as we walk forward, God has opened up incredible opportunity for us to partner and literally thousands and thousands of people have been impacted and will be impacted because of obedience. Now, this is not, you know, to pat all of us on the back because a lot of us weren't even here back then when they made those decisions. It's like, hey, way to go, First Assembly. Well, some of you were, and you should be commended for your prayer and your labor. There's a lot of us in this room today. We're just kind of like, we're fairly new, and we're like, hey, that's great. But here's the thing. It's now our turn. It's now our season. And we got to lean in. And we got to take the next step together as God calls us to be faithful to what he's called us together as a church to be on mission for him. And so here we are today. And I was counting up and I, even just with those on the screen and thinking about some other initiatives, uh, purchasing some land in Germany, which is now being used as a church planting center in, through the POC that we've, purchase as a church and I mean there's just incredible things that God has allowed us to, to participate in over 25 significant steps of faith I, I just counted just quickly this week as I was thinking about first assembly significant whether it was stepping out planting a church buying property moving forward and so here we are today and this vision is before us as God has called us into the future God has called us to step out in faith at this point in this time. And so Vision Sunday, God has given us this next step, and we're calling it Vision 100. And we believe that Vision 100 is the next step of obedience, and it's the next layer in our vision as a church as we look to the next 100 years. You say, well, how many people plan to be here in 100 years? Anybody? Uh, how many are believing that you're just going to be full of divine health and healing and you're going to be 100 and whatever you are right now could you imagine if you were like 140 or 150 or unless the Lord returns and how many know that Jesus could return and it, and it could be soon but what do we have do we have 10 days do we have 10 months do we have 10 years do we have 20 years do we have 30 years I think it's our responsibility, like the early pioneers, that they saw way into the future that we need to begin to plan for the future generations. We need to plan to be a church that your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids will find Jesus and find the gospel. And we need to look into the future, and this is our watch. What will we do today that will matter 100 years from now? And so what do we see? Here's what we see. We see a city-reaching church of at least 5,000 people. And it could be a lot more than that, but we see at least 5,000 people impacting tens of thousands for Christ in Calgary and around the world. Calgary is a growing city. This is, this is our renewed vision. As we add this layer to our vision as a church, we see a spirit-empowered city-reaching church. We feel that this as leadership is where God is calling us. And so how will we move forward? This is how we're going to do it. We're going to continue our 
commitment to being a reaching church. We're going to reach. We're going to reach globally. We're going to continue to focus a high priority on world missions, on global missions, on church planting. We're not going to stop helping other churches get planted. We're not going to stop multiplying in our city. We're going to continue our commitment to being a reaching church through evangelism and soul winning and alpha, and we're going to move forward. We're also going to revitalize. We, we feel that it's, it's only good stewardship at some point to, to do a few things around this building and continue just to upgrade it just so that we've we got some things to fix. We've got some you know, mechanical things that, are, that just need to be done and we just want to update and freshen up the sanctuary a little bit at least and maybe a couple other ministry areas over the next little while. We need to revitalize our ministry here in the center part of the city. And when God has called us also, we believe, to reproduce and God has opened up uh, an opportunity for us supernaturally to build a new Southwest Campus and Ministry Impact Center in the Southwest region of our city. God has opened up supernaturally an opportunity for us as a church to consider uh, purchasing some land in a brand new neighborhood, a new development called Providence. And this neighborhood is going to be 32,000, approximately 32,000 people, new residents right there. It's the growing end of the city. It's going to be like the Seton on the southwest. If you know where Seton is on the southeast, this is going to be the Seton of the southwest. And there was another denomination that uh, had plans to build a church there. They had a couple pieces of land. And at one point, they, they got tired of waiting for the ring road to go in. So they ended up building in another part of the city. And so they had this land setting there. And just through conversation, it just opened up for us supernaturally. And they, they probably were just going to sell it to a developer. They probably would have made all kinds of money. But when they found out it was another church, they said, we want to, for the kingdom, we want to do everything we can to make this available for you at a, at a, at a great rate. With a kingdom heart, this, this land has, has now come up for us to, to walk in by faith. And so this is what we see because our city, Calgary, it's a million 1.2 or whatever it is right now, but it's going to keep growing. And this southwest end is going to keep growing. Not only that, Okotoks will keep growing in this whole region. And so this is kind of what we see as well. I want you to show us, um, I want to, the, the two campuses up on the screen here. This is kind of how we see it. We feel like God has called us to, to two anchor campuses. Some people say, well, what are we going to do with this building? Well, we're not going to do anything for a little while. Like we just feel like I mean, this, we feel like God has called us to be a presence in the middle of the city. And so we're not saying we're selling. We're saying we're actually going to invest a little bit. We're going to just fix it up a little bit. We're going to be in a, in a central, the central location. We need to make sure that ministry happens in the center of the city. So you can just relax, and it's not going to be like we're just selling this next week, and everybody's going to move, and we're going to meet in a farm field. Don't worry about it, all right? It's going to take some time, all right? But we see a couple main anchor campuses in our city. And we see other campuses and other outposts throughout the city as the Lord may lead us. But we need, need two strong places. And this is how we see it moving forward. And so as we reach, revitalize, and reproduce, this is what it looks like. What will it cost? Well, rolling out the comprehensive vision over time, there will be several phases of this vision. We're just focusing right now just kind of on a, an initial phase one. And what we're saying right now is... We're looking at $8 million uh, for this property in the Southwest. And it's phase one of stepping out and saying, okay, we're going to trust God for it. We're going to believe that this is an opportunity for us. And again, as we look at this property, it's not, the idea is not to, over time, just build a sanctuary. The idea is to actually build multiple kinds of, of partnerships. One of them being uh, Master's Academy. And so I was just at the board meeting last Monday at Master's Academy, and they are excited about this, and they've already informed their staff that they are excited that should this vote go through, that they want to come in on the property with us, which would alleviate a lot of that $8 million. We're not sure exactly how much yet, but it would be several million that they would come in, and they have plans then to build a brand new high school and elementary school. Master's Academy that started right here. Praise the Lord. And so this is their future planning. And so as a church, that very well could be the very first building that even goes on that property as the ring road goes in, as the neighborhood begins to develop over the next number of years. And before we would ever even build potentially another meeting center or gathering center like this, 
we may just utilize the Master's Academy High School as a south campus. So we got a central campus and a south campus kind of going at the same time. And not only that, we see potentially seniors housing and maybe some other community partnerships, maybe the opportunity to subdivide. And so there are some exciting opportunities with this land as we look to the future. We can't stay the same. We, we can't just stay stagnant. We need to continue to step out in faith. Uh, even here within this building, we, we're trusting God for continued growth, but we're asking the Lord to, to help us. And, and, and we know that as we are on mission, that as people continue to come to Christ, and, the, and this church itself is limited by different things. The kids' ministry is, is packed every Sunday. Uh, if you come to the 11 o'clock service, you can't, you can't even find parking. And we're trying to encourage more and more to come to the 9 because the 11 is just busting. And I know that when a church gets 80%, it usually just stops growing. And so we still have some room in this service, but we're believing for multiple services, even in this place as we move forward. That as God continues to breathe and people continue to get saved. And even last Sunday in the 11 o'clock service, there were well over 10 people that raised their hand for salvation. And I'm just excited about, you know, what God is doing. And, and just several weeks ago, there was over 20 people that, that were new believers and getting water baptized in the lake. And we're just, we're seeing a vibrancy of salvation and people getting saved and coming to Christ. And so we're saying, God, as you're breathing, we just need to be vessels. We need to open up. Uh, more room so that more people can receive the gospel. So we can't stay the same. We need to continue to launch out in faith just like our pioneers did. And so why spend all that money for a property, whether it be five or six or seven million or whatever, five million or whatever it is that we end up just for property alone? Why don't we just give it away to somebody? Well, it's a great question. And the answer really is, we just feel like it's about sustainability and it's about long term. And there were people that stepped out in faith years ago for this property and stepped out for this building and, and we are enjoying that today and the fruit and the lives and the families that have been impacted through First Assembly because other people just saw beyond just giving it away. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you have a heart to feed everybody in Calgary, maybe you have a heart to feed everybody a fish dinner. And so you go to every grocery store, every Costco, every superstore, and you buy all the fish you can in Calgary this week. And you just put it downtown and you just feed everybody who's hungry. That's a great thing to do. There's nothing wrong with that. And God may call you to do that or something like that. But with long-term vision, it would be like, rather than doing that, it would be like, why don't we buy a few fish farms? Why don't we buy some equipment? Why don't we actually create fish, not just for this week or next week, but why don't we create a place that can sustain and continue to feed people for years and years to come? It's about having a longer-term vision. It's about seeing down the road. It's about seeing what could happen. One of the ideas, and this is just an idea at this point that we're talking about, is creating on this property potentially a, a, a business hub or a business place where, where young startups could come and they could, they could you know, be a part of, of discovering uh, business talent. And whether they're Christian or non-Christians, it could be very missional. It could also be something that could raise up and, and create funds for church planting or all kinds of creative ideas, things that we could do with property and with land as God would lead us to that that would actually begin to multiply and continue to multiply the kingdom to go forward for decades and decades to come, should the Lord tarry. And so we have to have a long-term vision. It's about longevity and sustainability. And because the church has stepped out in the past and purchased property exponentially, we've seen missions go from this church. All the other churches, like I mentioned, Westside, Beddington, Calgary Dream Center, Masters Academy, there are thousands and thousands of people that have already been impacted over the last 90 years through this church and through our obedience. And what about the next decades? And will we lean in? Will we be that open vessel? Will we say, oh, we don't have a lot, but we got some oil. We don't have a lot, but we, we have the Holy Spirit. We can move forward. We can impact tens and hundreds of thousands of people through a vision that goes so much bigger than just thinking about us and our Sunday services. And I know that's not in anybody's heart. This is more than a property purchase or a future building project. It's really more of a people project. It's all about 
people. It's all about reaching lost people for Jesus Christ. And this is just one more way that we feel like as a church, God is facilitating or leaning in, or us leaning into this as a way to facilitate the vision moving forward. I'm going to ask Michael to come at this time. It's about stepping out in faith for more jars to God, for God to fill. There's a parable that Jesus talked about, the parable of the talents, and this landowner went away on a, tra- some traveling, and he said to the three guys, he said, I'll give you guys all some money to invest. There were two of them that invested the money, and when he came back, they had more money. There was one guy that just buried it, and he said, I didn't want to do anything with it. I don't ever want to be a church that just buries our treasure and just says, well, we'll just kind of keep it for ourselves and let's just stay safe. God has not called us to stay safe. God has called us to live a life of faith. And God has called us to get his vision for our city. And I'll tell you, in my flesh, friends, (laughs) I would rather just show up on Sunday and just keep singing songs and worshiping Jesus and loving everybody at Elbow Drive. I'd love to do that. I really would. Trust me, I really would. But I can't. Because the Spirit of God keeps saying, dream bigger. We gotta take a city. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta shake a nation. We, we, we gotta see a revival in Canada. We gotta do our part. We gotta step out and be obedient to what God has called us to do and who He's called us to be. But it's gonna take all of us. It's gonna take all of us leaning in. So what do we do? We start, let's just start praying, okay? There's a vote for this land purchase if you are a member of the church, we want to encourage you to come out and be a part of that vote on November the 19th. It's our AGM. And so we're going to be praying as a church. We're going to go into a week of prayer and fasting in several weeks from now. I'll be sharing more about that. And so we start with just praying, just, just like the early pioneers. Pray the, the, the Lord of the harvest for workers, for provision, for vision, for resources, for ideas, for creativity. We're talking about innovation. We're talking about we feel like God wants us to do something different. We, God is giving us an opportunity to do something unique that's perhaps maybe never been done before because how many believe that God is a creative God and he gives us creative ways? And, and even looking at $8 million, I mean, uh, even the value of the land on, t- on today's market, it's like 160 some thousand dollars per acre. And by the time that ring road goes in, it's about a million dollars an acre. I mean, even just from a, like, it just makes sense, kind of. Like, even if we just buy the farm and sell it, then, hey, you know, we got more money, plant more churches. I mean, there's a lot of great reasons. But I don't want us just to have a rational reason. I want it just, just to make sense. In, in, if you have questions today, out at the windows, we have some of our leadership there to answer any questions. Or I want you just to take a pamphlet today and pray about it. And let's just be part of praying together. We also need to lean in together and, and we need to give. And just continue to give. You know, if all of us in this church, and this is not to condemn anybody because I know everybody's at a different place, but if all of us in this church regularly gave our first fruits to the Lord, if everybody did it, we wouldn't have to even do a fundraising campaign. We wouldn't. We would just be like, oh, wow, we got lots, we can do this. So the challenge today is, are you paying more for your phone bill or your cable every month than you're giving to the kingdom? That's just, just a question. And if you are, could be that God might be speaking to you about just reprioritizing. And it's just, it's just a question for you to consider because God has called us. We've got to do this together. And I said to masters at the meeting, guys, if we're going to do this, we've got to lean in together. We've got to build deeper relationships. And they're like, we're going to do it. We're excited. We're excited. We're kind of coming back to where, you know, you know some of the ideas we had early on. And, we're, and they're leaning in. They're leaning in. Dream Center. Just love that board and just love the gym more. And we're just, we're leaning into relationship. We're just like, we're going to do this together, guys. And if we can all do a little bit, it's not about, you know, some people giving all kinds of money. Although if you want to make, you know, if you want to see the donation today, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to receive it gladly. But it's not about just big givers giving big money. It's, 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 about, it's not about equal money. It's about equal sacrifice. And that's just not finances. That's serving. That's winning the loss. That's leading an alpha table. That's leading a small group. That's community group. That's 
That's just us leaning in together. It's equal sacrifice. And if we all do it together, we're better together. And we receive such blessing as God continues to move us forward. Would you stand up with me this morning? I don't want to speak much longer this morning. But we're just going to worship together this morning. I'm going to pray. We're going to reach, we're going to revitalize, and we're going to reproduce. By the grace of God, as God enables us, as God helps us. It's about reaching lost people. We're going to participate. We're going to vote. We're going to give. And we're going to walk and take that next step together. We don't have to have everything. We just have to have an open vessel. And we've got the oil. And let's let God do the miracle this morning. I want us just to sing this morning this... um, I've been kind of... I went out for a walk on Thursday. And I just had my little headphones on. And this song came on the, the, my worship playlist on my, on my iPhone. And I just was like... You see, because sometimes I really struggle myself, guys. Like, it's that whole thing like, okay, God, you're calling us to some big things. It has to be you. But how many know that our vision is always going to be bigger than the resources that we currently have. It, it, it always has been and it always will be. But how many believe that God is able and he's a provider? And, you know, I was singing this song. as on my, my little walk, you know, and I'm just, like, you know, listening to some songs. And this song came on and I was just like, I felt like the Holy Spirit just say, yeah, this, uh, just trust me. And we're just going to worship with all our hearts. And I, and I want us just to worship today. Whether, whatever it is in your life today, whether it's a personal need or whether as a church we could just proclaim this. I believe as we lift this up in victory, I believe that actually darkness is going to break. Chains are going to break. You know, thinking's you know, going to shift and change. And yeah, There's going to be a war. There's going to be a lot of war against vision. When vision is laid out, we're like, here's where we're going. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's what we're trusting God for. The enemy is not happy. He's going to try to divide. He's going to try to do all kinds of things. But we're not fearful of that because we know that wherever the presence of God is, wherever his power is, that the enemy's changed and his plans are broken and exposed in Jesus' name, that we're going to move forward with faith and with unity, and we're going to see God fulfill everything he wants. We don't know the future. This is just kind of what we feel, but we need to step out today. We need to take this step together. Let's worship together this morning. Let's just sing this together as our prayer as we dismiss.